Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 137, we reimagine and talk about caring well for the person and the caregiver as we talk about dementia care and our reaction to those in need. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello there. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, there you go. There you Hello go. there. Good job. Good job. They don't know it, but I did it. Huh? Uh, yeah. That might have been one of the first times the music just kept playing and I just couldn't get anything out. Yeah. Nothing came out. Well, it's it, great music. It, it, it is. I, I, thing. Got lo- I got lost in a lot of things. So. <laughs> uh, but, um, hey, welcome to 137. Glad you're here. Yes. Uh, how was um, Trick or Treat? That was good. It was good. We had a lot what, of fun. Yeah, what'd we you do? Had a lot of fun. Oh, we had... You know, we had the, all the kids over, and they were all running around the neighborhood, enjoying grabbing candy. But the best part to me was um, one of our granddaughters um, was kind of tired of being out, and she didn't like some of the scary stuff in the neighborhood, so she wanted to come back to the house. And so she proceeded to hand out candy. Ah. So the other yeah. one started coming in as well. But it was really cool to watch her because she would run to the door, and sometimes she'd even forget to take the candy to the door to give out, but... She was like like a little old person. I mean, she would like, oh, I love your outfit. You look so cute tonight. So there's this five-year-old making these uh, like 35 or 70-year-old statements yeah, coming out of this little yeah. mouth. And it was so cool to watch her do that. But she had a blast yeah. handing out. I think she had That's more cool. fun handing out candy than she did getting candy from the neighbors. Such and, an old uh, soul. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. And then they're talking about, do y'all talk about candy? There, I mean, like we somebody talk, we talk about candy. somebody gave out like the full size Kit Kat bars. Oh, in our is that right? Yeah, and wow. so like, yeah, one of my daughters was like, um, she's asking her husband, so where did this come from? So I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure where it came from. And she's like, how could you not know where the full size Kit Kat bar comes from? You need to remember that house. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We can go yeah. Back to yeah. That no, no question. No Mark question. that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Maybe yeah, somebody, true. if you're listening and that's your house, let's yeah. know. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bring it by my office. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we were down in the uh, in the fan down there in Richmond, and mm-hmm. it was nice. Kids gang came down. The whole family came down. Um, and so we went over to the fan. And on Hanover Avenue, is a, I mean, they shut the whole street down yeah. there. It's a, it, I mean, it's thousands of people and houses are all decorated. And um, so that was a, that was a good time seeing all the, People dressed up, having a great. I mean, it's crazy what they do with some of those houses. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, I was thinking about the candy, and I, I was expecting big bars. You know, uh, it's my high dollar homes down there, so I was expecting good candy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, a lot of those little dumb dumb things. But then, really? I, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I got to thinking about while we were doing. I was like, if you got thousands of kids coming to your house in a three hour window, you're not. You're not giving big chocolate bars no, out. No, no. It's expensive. That's right. You're buying that variety pack from uh dollar mm-hmm. twenty five store. Yeah. 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 The pinata candy. <laughs> yeah, pinata that's what candy. candy. That's what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what'd you do? Uh, we did nothing. Oh, it it was on. a bust at our house. Really? Womp womp. Uh, <laughs> Nobody even came to your house. You lived down the dirt oh, yeah, road. No, no, so. yeah. yeah. No, no, it's that's a, the best place for uh, yeah. you know that type of night. And oh day, yeah. You know. Secluded roads, secluded driveway. Nah, yeah, you can like, scare people yeah. as you're yeah. walking through. Yeah. So now nah. we had uh, one was sick and yeah. one was doing homework uh, because they were sick the week before and uh, <laughs> a, nor- a normal week <clears throat> in the Dupuy home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the oldest was out, uh, so nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> ah. 
pumpkins not even carved. I told you we didn't go to the pumpkin yeah, patch. Yeah, right, right. But, uh, so I don't know. We've fallen off here. We gotta, we gotta regroup. Cause, <laughs> you gotta recline. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can yeah. have a redemption now. I'm a little irritated by it, but I'm, so I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, showed up this morning to get a a coffee from a certain space, and my cup is nothing but Christmas. Yeah, I, I see yeah. this. Yeah, like like everything full on, full on. Even Christmas. the sleeve, the sleeve, the store, everything is full on Christmas. Yeah, you know, I'm a Thanksgiving person. It doesn't even exist anymore. We've turned the lights off on Halloween. Candy's put away, and Christmas is here. I mean, on full. Yeah, yeah. So I'm walking in the store, and I'm telling Kelly, I'm like, I, I can't. But I'm done with this. She goes, What humanity? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, close. But like, I just yeah. can't take it. So we get in the store, uh, and she goes, Oh look, they got the Christmas blend. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm going to try to embrace it in these few moments. Yeah. I got the Christmas blend. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not a bad blend, yeah. but I just uh-huh. don't know what to do with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did, Now, did you say the words, that's what's wrong with this generation? Or did oh, or no? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I, um, I said something similar to that. Okay. I probably said that's what's wrong with this world. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're just passing over things that- Yeah. But it's just getting longer. I know a lot of people love the season that's coming oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. So yeah. no knock on you. Please don't knock on me. I'm just saying I just yeah. need. Yeah. I need a little more. Well, I, I actually I said, why are we done with pumpkin spice? She said because it came in in August. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> it's true. It's past its it's true. since the summertime. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But uh-huh. I, I do want to say in a spirit to engage other people. Yeah, and the and the festive workers that were there all dressed up as elves and all this kind of stuff. Like, were they really? Oh yes. Holy! You should have taken some pictures. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I I stepped into that zone. Uh huh. Uh-huh. All thanks to all people to get the yeah. Christmas blend. Yeah. That you would not see my scroogeness. Yeah. You tell them happy holidays. No, okay. no, no. I just walked. Humbug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought. I thought saying uh, I would love the Christmas blend. Yeah. It was joyful enough. <laughs> So, Should ask, is there a Thanksgiving blend? No, no, no. I had to. Oh, yeah, there should be. Yeah, there should that, be. That's like a right yeah. thing to do, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. With so a, what is accompanying pecan? cider? What is that? Pecan. Pecan and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Walnuts. Not pecan. It's pecan. Pecan. Yeah. With pecan. walnut. Pecan. A little walnut. Yeah, toasted maybe. walnut. A little chocolate. Mm. Yeah. yeah. See. Yeah. See. See. There we go. Yeah. If they're listening, yep. we got their idea. Yeah. We got covered. Maybe holidays. Yep. Dressing up like a big turkey. Be perfect. Like Paul Simon yeah. on Saturday Live in the turkey outfit. Uh, this is going, yeah. going right. nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, today we are excited to uh, welcome Missy Harden to the podcast. Missy is a PAC certified independent consultant, trainer, and advanced consultant for the Care Partner Support Services. She is a licensed occupational therapist and certified dementia practitioner. Professional and personal experience, journey with persons living with dementia, have fed a passion for dignity in care. She's committed to helping individuals and care partners navigate life with brain change uh, through education, care skill building, and encouraging consultative services. Missy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the for the invitation and. Merry Christmas. I, I'm, I'm Merry, yeah, Merry <laughs> Christmas. Goodwill towards men. Yes. yes. That's right. And all that. And all yeah. that. So uh, where are you on the spectrum of Halloween, Thanksgiving to Christmas? Well, so my, my neighborhood has five little costumed kids. So I just pour into those five children. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know, take more, take more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And so, then I can turn out the lights and I tell them, you know, 
Can you come between five and six? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little yeah, sign out in front of your yard boundaries. a week ahead of time. Yeah. Open five to six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting, uh, though, downtown that if you weren't home on Hanover, they put the big caution tape all over the house and uh-huh. played it up like it was part of the... Oh, is that right? Part of the theme. Yeah. 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 Very it's just wall to wall people. Wall to wall. Yeah. 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 It's a great time. Yeah. So, uh, Missy, we're glad you're here today and uh, look forward to this conversation as we talk about caring well for both uh, the person uh, and the people who are in the caregiving process. Uh, it's um, uh, a lot of questions out there, a lot of struggles people go through. So, I'm looking forward to diving into this. As we do that, can you just give us a little bit of your, your personal story, your journey, how you found yourself uh, involved uh, caring for this community? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm an occupational therapist. So my education, my profession was all about sort of looking at the whole picture. What can you do to help someone live successfully? Um, Looking at their strengths and abilities. And then I found myself as a daughter-in-law in a really difficult dynamic with my mother-in-law who was living with a, her expression of her dementia. I was not her person. And there were a lot of a lot of frustrations, challenges, hurt um, on on both sides. And I scratched my head, and I'm like, I know this. I know what I should be doing, but what I didn't recognize is that I was tripping on my own cape. Shoot, I was trying to make sense of it on my own. When really, you need to build a support team, not only for the person that's living with brain change, but for the care partners, those partnering in care with that person. Um, and so I learned everything I needed to know about, um, what to do wrong through my relationship with my mother-in-law. And I thought other people need help with this too, because it it can be really isolating because it's just mounting and consuming of your time and your energy and your heart, um, as you're trying to support someone that's losing their abilities cognitively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I've heard the term. I was going to ask you, can you just give us a, a brief definition of, of dementia, kind of what that looks like, but also using the term brain change. Uh, that's a new, yeah. I would say that's a new term yeah, to well. me. Uh, so how do, how do those two fit together? So I like to use brain change um, because it people have a stigma with dementia. Mm. So if I told you, hey, Brian, you're having some brain change. How is that working for you versus dementia? What would your what would your response be if I said, "Oh, you know, sorry, you have dementia, pal"? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus yeah. mm, some things are changing for you. Yeah, yeah, lot lot less red flags uh, <laughs> or <Right>. <laughs> looks of <laughs> concern <laughs> and terror. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> As you look at everyone else, like, is this an intervention? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're glad you're We're glad here. You're here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This oh, is boy. why we brought Missy here today. Oh, boy. Yes. All right. <laughs> Keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> so dementia is an umbrella term that's often confused with Alzheimer's disease, memory loss. Hmm. Dementia is a collection of symptoms that happen when somebody is having both physical and chemical changes in their brain. Hmm. With dementia, if it's a true dementia, it is a disease, progressive disease state that causes at least two parts of the brain to die. It's chronic. It's progressive. And if something else doesn't kill you, you will succumb to the 
failure or the changing brain or the loss of brain that is happening. Um, Alzheimer's is one of those diseases, probably the most well-known that falls under that dementia umbrella. Mm. Um, and with Alzheimer's, one of the hallmarks is short-term memory loss, but there are plenty of other dementias. There's over 120 different types, forms, causes oh. of, and diseases that cause that change in brain, um, that are, you know, sort of defined and not all of them have to do with memory loss. Some of them have to do with a more thinking brain executive function. Some of them have to do with how you move your body through space. Some of them have to do with how you can take in data visually. Some of them have to do with how you're able to understand language, speech, communication, and how you're able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. So dementia is a really broad term, like cancer, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If someone has cancer, you our culture says, well, what type or, you know, what's your prognosis with dementia? It's the same thing. What we're not doing is saying what type where people aren't really getting differential diagnosis because it's based on symptoms. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, is it very helpful with that. Oh yeah. Is, is there, is there statistically, are we, are we seeing an increase or a rise in, in, in this or is it that we're, we're just having better, more informed conversation and, awareness? I think the answer to that is yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> both. It's both, both. And one of the risk factors, but not causes necessarily is age. So we have a, a population, a demographic in our, in our world, in our culture of aging, aging people. So you have more, your risk of developing dementia increases as you age. Yeah. Just because our bodies break down. So therefore, potentially our brains break down. Um, and the second part is, yes, there's more awareness. More people are talking about it. People are able to get diagnosed sooner um, than later yeah. or never. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be mental health would be considered a, a mental health issue or, you know, they're they're crazy or let's put them on a you know, they're depressed because there's lots of things that can mimic the symptoms of depression. I mean, of dementia, like depression mm -hmm. or delirium. Um, dementia is not an acute disease. Dementia is a progressive chronic disease. So if somebody has acute changes in their mental status, I just tell them, go to the doctor, get a good medical workup. Cause there are things like depression, delirium, metabolic changes that can be treated. Mm -hmm. With dementia, if it's a true dementia disease, you can manage the symptoms in the early stages. You can help with that chemistry when the chemistry is starting to change. Um, but it really is about supporting a person with their, in my opinion, with their remaining abilities and recognizing where they need support. So, what so are, it, it, go ahead. Yeah. It changes from it being sort of a, a medical model to more of a psychosocial, how do we support and manage the symptoms of this brain change versus how do we fix it? Because right now, sadly, there's a lot of great research, but there's no cure. There's no pill that fixes somebody living with a dying brain. What what are some of those early experiences people will have if, if there's an onset or if there's a progression occurring? What, what are those symptoms or, or how would you recognize those in somebody? 
Um, so typically what people, and it, again, it depends on what type mm. of dementia disease state they have, but they might have, um, getting lost in familiar places, forgetting names or, um, making mistakes with where they're supposed to be. So you'll just sort of see differences in, in time management, orientation, and how they get from point A to B. And if it's the front part of their brain, your thinking brain, they might have trouble initiating tasks, working through the steps in a task, being able to stop something and move on. You might see a lot of repetition in conversation, asking questions over and over and over again. Um, it just sort of that something's different. They're making mistakes, having word finding problems, um, or it could be really heightened behaviors. Like they're reacting in a really big way to something that you're like, what? That's not an issue. So they're, they're becoming distressed more easily. Um, and, un, and maybe unreasonably from the aspect of someone looking at it from the outside in. Um, you also might see changes in their participation in the community. So if it starts to become overwhelming to go to church because too many people are talking and that's getting hard for me. Mm. Well, you know, I just don't, I just don't feel well. I just don't, I don't feel like going today or they might become super quiet and withdraw. Um, so those are, those are the things to look for. What is changing for that person socially and how they're going about their familiar daily routines um, and how they're relating to other people. Mm. If there's changes, take note. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thinking about change. I mean, it, yeah. there's a change in the person then there's a change for the caregiver. This changes, would you say this changes everything and what, what does that change look like for people as they experience this? So it's it's hard, right? Because it's a what we call um, the term on the street now is ambiguous grief. Mm -hmm. Your person, you're losing your person, but they're still here, but they're different, right? So your expectations of that relationship of you know, well, you used to be able to manage all that household finances and. I raised the kids and now I have to do the household finances and I'm not good at that. And I'm mad at you, but I can't be mad at you because you can't do it anymore. Right. So you have that, that dynamic of um, relational change from, you know, being partners to being care providers. And that is one of the things that I really, really try to help um Families see that please do not make this person just the recipient of your care. Please help the person that's living with brain change still have value and contribute and support them to use their remaining abilities throughout their whole life journey. Is it going to change? Yes. Are they aware of those changes? For a while, they probably are. Maybe not. But how can you best support that person to be involved in some way in the things that are important to them? with the people that are important to them. Yeah. That's hard. Oh, I would, <clears throat> I would say so. I mean, you are used to kind of like two independent people. And then now all of a sudden, even though you're partners and you're doing, as you said, you're doing this, I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden that caregivers have to do all of it. But 
it's it's almost like sometimes I think for people it's easier to do it than it is to try to find space to let the other person do what they think they can do. Um, so how do you how do you address that with say just a generic individual? Um, their spouse is um, dealing with dementia, brain change. Um, we will use brain change since Brian's sitting here, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> from the standpoint uh, how you how you how you approach that conversation and and how do they look for that? I mean, they obviously know the skill level, the different variety of skills, and sometimes they're skills that are not. I'm using the wrong word, but impaired or or uh, that don't disappear in a sense. So, how do you help a spouse find? those good skills and, and help them allow them to contribute. Well, my, um, business is called no, I care. I wish I had, mm. when I went through all the paperwork had put it down as no and care. So if you better understand the changes and the functions of the brain and recognize that the person isn't intentionally not doing anything anymore, they're just not able to without an adjustment in how you support them. So that's part one. If you understand, then you're more open to, oh, I don't have that expectation that he's just sitting watching TV all day and I'm getting frustrated because he won't do the things. I recognize like, oh, he needs help to get started. He needs someone to do it with him, not for him or Mm -hmm. to him. Um, to be able to participate. So then I come in and start once they get that understanding of, oh, they can't do this anymore. It's not that they won't. Then we move into how can you adjust how you approach the person, how you support them with getting started or doing a task or making the environment um, more familiar, friendly, functional for that person. And then lastly, the biggest thing I do with care partners, especially if it's, you know, one spouse to one spouse is you got to build your team. It takes four to five people to care for one person living with dementia. Um, and oftentimes if someone tries to do it solo, their, their health tanks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, you know, not to scare them, but I just let them know that, you know, if their health and well being is being compromised, Mm-hmm. Who's going to take care of their person? You've got to build your team. So sometimes helping people um, sort of look at their resources, um, family, faith community, paid help, next door neighbors, day centers, whatever the, as the needs of the person increase, there are um, resources out there to help them. So question for you, and this is just, um, I know oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, I just, um, experience says that there are people that are private and proud and don't want to ask for help. Um, how do you help someone get to the place, get to the place? How do you help somebody see it's okay? In fact, it's mm-hmm. better to ask for the help than try to do it yourself. And so before they crash and burn <laughs> in that sense of that story, but is there a way that, I mean, part about to say, hey, it's okay to ask for help. People want to help you, and family wants to help you. Um, do you see that as a struggle? People just trying to do it themselves and keep it within the four walls of their house, or they just- do that for a couple reasons, in my opinion. Okay, they do it 
one, because of the consuming nature of caring for another person who's losing their abilities, right? So there's just no time. There's just no time for that. So, you know, it takes tangible reaching in. It doesn't say, hey, call me if there's anything I can do to help you, mm-hmm. right? That's that's like grief 101. When, yeah. when you, yeah, it's like, I don't have time to call you. I don't have time to go to the bathroom for goodness sake, right? Like, it's, that's I don't have time that's to brush my hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's one thing is just, if people are going to reach in, reach in with the tangible, hey, I made a big pot of chili and I'm going to come over and bring it to you. Mm-hmm find ways to, to really reach in in tangible ways. The other thing is I, um, I offer a five week support series on zoom, Mm -hmm. um, which is a support series. So it gives people a taste of what it's like to be in a support group with other people that are on this care journey and it does some skill building. So it's not just information. It's not going into a room of people. Woe is me. It truly gives them a sense of, if there's other people on the journey, you can support and learn from each other. And that often helps them be open to letting others come in. Um, one of the things that is, I think we can do better at is that, is that reaching in, um, like I said, with, with tangible things. Um, so I often give my clients homework, right? You make a list of all the things that you do in a day or all the things that you're not doing anymore so that we can maybe bring in some respite and it can be 15 minutes, you know, can I just have 15 minutes so I can go take a walk or it can be, Hey, I would love to hear your husband's stories over and over and over again for the next, for the afternoon, because it doesn't wear me out. Mm -hmm. I enjoy him and it would give you a chance for, for respite. So it does take courage to let people in. Mm-hmm. It takes vulnerability to let people in. Mm. But if you, I often tell them what you have control over is you get to pick your team. You get to pick who is going to support you. And you can find out pretty quickly. They may be family members, but they may not be equipped to be that frontline person. So, you know, you look at the gifts that people have. You wouldn't want everyone bringing the same gift to a party. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if your son can't, can't handle the care of your husband because sons just don't do that to dads, but they can take care of the yard or the raking or the some errands or something else that he used to be able to do or do that with him, then it allows people to, to exercise their gifts in their way. Oftentimes people have expectations of, well, I'm doing all this work and someone else isn't showing up. Well, maybe they're not showing up in the way that you're, they're able to. Yeah, yeah. So that, that recognizing how people can contribute is really, I think, a big part of helping the primary care partner letting others in. It almost sounds like there's a real need. I'm sorry. I was no, no, <clears throat> no, just a real need. I mean, use the word vulnerability, which is a huge word, but in the family dynamic, there needs to be vulnerability and authenticity. I mean, we're using buzzwords, but there needs to be a real transparency um, between whether it is children or grandkids or its siblings or uh, other relatives um, to really look at what are the skill levels and who brings what to the part and willing to do this. I mean, it's almost there's just a, there's a lot of conversation and transparency mm-hmm. in that which 
is sometimes difficult to get to, but, um, and I do want that five week thing. I want to be a five week thing, five week course. Sorry, Zoom course. Do it for the show notes. So we want to get that afterwards uh, as well so that people can connect to that. But uh, yeah. you, I'm sorry. Yeah. You were no, no, I was just going to ask you. Um, you were talking about the spouse and caregiving. Um, I've had more conversations more recently here with, with grown children. Uh, and a parent who who is experiencing this, and and so I'm interested. To, how, how do you frame that for for grown children now who are looking at parents who are walking through this journey, and and what does that look like for them? So the first thing I need to remind those grown children is you can't scold mama. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. good. Um, yeah. You you have to. You have to partner. And I use that word partner versus caregiver, care partner, because you are considering the contribution of everybody in the journey, Um, whether it's the person living with dementia or the person that's the primary care partner. um, You need to recognize that they are doing the best they can in this moment. Um, or with this situation and how can you come alongside them to support them in this really difficult, ever-changing, ever-increasing care journey. So for the grown children, um, they need to have the conversation of, I love you, I care about you, and I want to be involved. Give them an opportunity to, to define how they want their children to be involved. Um And then if that's not a gift or an ability of that adult child, adult children are really resourceful in finding other resources to support. So, you know, let's look at this. I'll go with you to look at this adult day program, or I have a friend that, you know, would be great company for, for mom or dad or spouse. Um, So having them be a, a resource and, um, recognizing that, you know, this is what, what families do. Not all family members can step up to the plate, but those, those that do, then again, you get to pick them for your team and not have that expectation. Cause if you have expectations that are unfulfilled, mm. then resentment happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I really often push families to say, you know, if you are, dissing each other until there's unity and recognition of what you can each contribute. I'm, I'm not going to work with you. <laughs> and that usually gets their attention. Like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just try to help them see like, what are the ways that you can contribute to this situation? And sometimes it's that honesty, like this is hard. I'm not leaving your side. We're going to find ways to, to better support this person that we love. That's of no fault of their own Mm, has this disease process. So it is kind of reframing the whole challenge that's in front of you because you think, okay, my parents care for me when they get older, I'm going to care for them. But then I'm thinking, Brad, as you're talking about, there's different gifts, there's different strengths, there's different uh, ability uh, to care or partner with in certain areas that I'm better at than Brian may be different or things like that. Mm -hmm. But so now I'm thinking without a healthy reframing of the whole situation and understanding skill sets, personalities, giftedness in that, uh, I would imagine there's some shame and guilt that uh, care partners experience, if you will, right. and how they have to move through that, too, because 
I just can't, I can't do that. I can't handle that or it's too difficult for me. But what's the, what's the reframe? I mean, the reframing has got to be critical early on, right? So here's an example of, of a reframe. My sister, brother, and I, I'm one of six, but I'm only going to share about three of us because we were the perfect trifecta. (laughs) I had the knowledge and I would say, Hey, you know, it would be great if you would get hire someone to come in and do the yard work. Uh, We'll do that when we're ready. Mm -hmm. My sister would then come in and say, I have a friend that's using this person and they're doing all this. And then it freed them up to do other things. And they'd go, huh? And then my brother would come in and say, why the heck don't you have someone cutting the grass, dad? Mm. And it would happen. Right. So I could have been in a position of like, well, I said that months ago, but we quickly (laughs) recognized that we had to have the seed planter, the seed sower Mm. and the person that, to make it happen. Um, so unity and families and really celebrating the different ways we can contribute. Um, and when I say family, the family can be beyond genetics, right? It can be your, your family is anyone who, who's part of your, your life story, who's there for you, shows up for you. So that, that is a reframe, um, because oftentimes you, you get the the resentment of, well, I'm here all the time. And then they come and see him for one day and leave town and, you know, they don't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those out of towners, what can they do to support you on the front line or to do something else that's going to contribute to this support for this person? Mm. Just in a little bit of reading about it, I was looking at um, just the Jim's state model. And I just the, the phrase that kind of go with with that is you can help every gym shine. Can, can you speak yes, into so, that understanding a little bit? Maybe that goes back to the brain, understanding the brain and the, the conversation as well. So the GEMS model, Tipa Snow, she has an unusual name, um, but she founded an organization called Positive Approach to Care, which is the practice um, that I'm certified under and what I what I present. So the GEMS model, there are lots of different staging of the progression of dementia disease. Um, There's a global deterioration scale. There's the advanced, um, mild, middle, moderate, late stages of of decline. Um, And those really focus on loss. The GEMS model was, came in to over- sort of supersede or go alongside that because the medical model does look at those stages. So it's important, you know, when you're communicating with medical professionals to look at that, the GEMS model looks at what a person's able to still do their remaining abilities Mm. as the disease progressions progresses. And with the looking at someone's remaining abilities, you also look at where they could use support. So it's focused on what the person can still do and how you can support them as the disease progresses. It brings dignity Mm -hmm. to the person and it brings hope and possibilities to the person who's providing that support so that you don't just look at, at the loss. You look at, Oh, they can still do this. If I adapt my approach and recognize like uh, their ability to take in visual data is changing. So I'm going to make sure they know that I'm here before I, try to offer any care. I'm going to get permission before I 
reach out and try to fix their clothing because that could cause distress. Mm -hmm. So the GEMS model provides care partners with awareness of what their person's able to do and ways to support them and ways to modify the environment so that that person can, as you said, shine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the, I'm just curious, what's your greatest challenge as a therapist in working with families in this area? That there's not enough of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's such a need, truly. Um, and I, as a, as a consultant, I am a therapist, but I'm practicing more in a consulting role. I have to recognize that it's, I may see possibilities, but it's really up to a family to decide their priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to honor that and respect that with the, with the folks I work with, um, recognizing that awareness, I have a lot of it and knowledge. I have a lot of it, but people oftentimes get their, their knowledge and awareness from past experiences. So I think if more people understood that it's really a very broad dynamic and you can't say, well, my grandmother had Alzheimer's disease. So I'm gonna, I know how to care for my husband with frontal temporal disease with behavioral variant. Oh no. Mm. Or Lewy body disease. Oh no. They're very, they're very different. They're very different in their progression and their presentation. And Every human being is unique, right? Mm-hmm. Um, God knew what He was doing when He created us. There's no one. There's no one alike. We may have twins that look alike, but they're not the same, right? We are all, mm-hmm. all, all unique. So you can't really compare one dementia care journey with another. You have to really look at that person's um, strengths and their preferences and their interests and their life story when you're supporting them. Yeah. So what would you say is the most important thing for people to know or have as a resource? I know it's probably varied based on the person, but just that, that initial, what would you want to say? So I would say um, what's really important is to, is to have somebody that can help you navigate, manage the first, the, the diagnosis, right? That, the medical model. And one of the things that I tell family members is take notes and get those notes to the physician in advance of your visit so they can make a more informed assessment. Don't go to an initial doctor's appointment and talk about all the changes you're noticing in front of your person because they're going to shut down or they're going to defend or they're going to shine in the doctor's office because we can pull it together. We get that dump of chemicals in our brain and we can pull it together for perfect stranger or those, those on-demand moments. Um, so the doctors only get a snapshot. So that's, that's one thing is try to get, um, provide enough information to your primary care provider so they can make an informed assessment and then learn everything you can. Once you find out the type of dementia, if you're able to, that you're a person is living with. And I say living with, because you can live with dementia eight, 20, 30 years, depending on the progression of the disease. So it's something you have to equip yourself for and then build your team. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely essential to build your team because, um, your being as a care partner for someone living with dementia, it's, it's just essential. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
you know, we had the opportunity just, we do live in the same community, but we did have the opportunity to be, uh, for you to be connected um, as we hosted together um, a gathering of, of folks that were, that are struggling and working through this uh, with a family member and, and then themselves. And I remember when it came, came through, um, I was thinking, well, we'll probably have a good handful of those folks. And yet we had, you know, close to a hundred people or so actually show up. And it's been interesting just prior to that to hear people see the the advertisement for it, hear about it, and then the number of people that started opening up about it, particularly here in our recreation center at the front desk. I'd go by and I would hear people, oh, you're hosting this? I'm struggling with this. Thank you. And, and like, it was just amazing that the maybe somewhat of the transparency started to happen. And yet, I don't know if that's a large number for your groups or not, but I was just... It just shows you the need that is out okay. there. And that really, that's what led to saying, you know what, there's there's more out there. And so for you being on the podcast today um, and, and doing that, it has been great. And just going through some of these simple things. So I, I do want to ask you, how can people connect with you, the resources that you have, even those steps? And we'll put these in the show notes. But if you can just verbally give us some insight on where to go next. So I can be reached directly through my, through my email, through a, through a reach out. And if it's a care concern, that's not in my, in my lane, I am connected with other resources like the Alzheimer's association, um, locally or wherever you're listening, there's usually an area agency on aging and they have great, great resources as well. Um, if it's a matter of the person's needs exceeding your ability to care for them at home in this local area, I work with um, Jen Dowda, Dowda Consulting, and she um, helps folks find supportive care communities for their for their loved ones. There's day centers um, that I can connect folks with. So I would say just reach out to me directly and let me hear what your story is. And then I can either come alongside your family for skill building and assessment um, of what the person's abilities still are, um, help you connect with medical providers that can help you manage this and um, other resources. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing that uh, insight. And we'll have that information in the show notes so you'll be able to make that contact. Caring well. Absolutely. It's uh, But I think about all those things of of working, walking alongside of people, and my mind goes back to uh, just the, uh, man, the patience, the love, the disciplines. It's not about me. I mean, all those things come out of spiritual disciplines or attributes of yeah. of a Christ follower just in the midst of a, a real struggle. Yeah. Not that life is not a struggle. It is. Yeah, yeah. But I was just thinking about those things. So, uh, Missy, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and download any of the episodes and rate them. You can check us out on the ReimagineCast.com website. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast.